Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. And <laughs> we have our last guest for the Ever. podcast. Ever. Ever on Feeling Asian. And we wow. wanted to end with a bang. We wanted to end with who I'm sure is going to be a listener favorite. Yeah. We finally listened to the DMs. Uh, this is probably <laughs> by far the most, requested. by far the most requested guest for this podcast, <laughs> and we finally did it, folks. Uh, you know, young me, this is bittersweet. I'm a bit sad that this is our last guest ever, but do this said, intro justice, Brian. This is the last time you're gonna intro a guest on <laughs> Feeling Asian, so don't fuck yeah, it up, Brian. I'm not gonna fuck it up. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, the final guest of the Feeling Asian podcast is an author, and you may know them from their work, Minor Feelings. Listeners, give your ears for Kathy Park Hong. Yes. How did we do, Kathy? How was the intro? That was really uh, great. Uh, are we still recording? <laughs> I we are, mean, we're yeah. totally all, recording. You know, oh yeah, we're recording. Um, I, this is <laughs> high expectations. <laughs> high expectations. I hope I don't disappoint. I'm really honored to be here for your very last uh, episode. I'm also really sad that it's ending. You know, so I hope you guys yeah. change your mind, but maybe you're on to bigger, better things. So. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. The, the optimism is there for now. <laughs> um, no, but it, it has been a running joke in this podcast where uh, when we started it, we wanted to make a podcast that explored like our feelings and what it means and feels to be uh, Asian American. And then Minor Feelings was published and then we read it. And then Youngmi and I were like, oh, this is... This is basically what we were trying to do, but in a more succinctly packaged way. <laughs> There's definitely less anal jokes in there. <laughs> more professional way. In a way that people are more comfortable consuming, I would say. For sure, for sure. I don't know. There's a, I, could have, I could definitely add in more anal uh, jokes or uh, meditations yeah. in my book. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't all that professional, I would hope. Yeah. Oh, um, so I wanted to talk, I have so many like funny little, I mean, funny to me, little tidbits about your book because I had this running gag for a while. It wasn't a gag. It was just me being a weirdo of, I would like, if anyone ever said that they read a book, I'd just be like, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. But I had never read any of those books except for Minor Feelings. So I was always like, people would be like, oh yeah, did you read this? I'd be like, yep. I, I wouldn't say yes. I would just be like, not really acknowledge if I had or not. I'd be like, yeah, exactly, exactly. But then I was like, Minor Feelings is the one that I read. And it, like, so when people would talk about it, I could actually have a real conversation when they brought it up. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that book is overrated. Come on. <laughs> I'm just no, no I'm just great. kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we need as many channels as we can to talk about Asian feelings, right? I mean, the more the yeah. better, right? We're such complicated people, you know. You can't just have one source. You have to have like infinite sources. Yes. Yeah. More yes. more Asian voices. Uh -huh. More Asian feelings. <laughs> yeah. I'm just still processing the fact that I've brought up many books on this podcast and now realizing that Young Me didn't read any of them <laughs> except for Minor Feelings. <laughs> I've read Minor Feelings. I read Pachinko, of course. Uh -huh. I read all the Asian ones. I read Ling Ma's books. I love Ling Ma. I love Ling Ma um, too. Right? And yes, Wonderful. and I respect Min Jin Lee. Yes, she represents, Min Jin Lee. you know. Yes, and Alexander Chi, of course, I've read all yes, his work. Yes, yes. Yeah. He is good and people. All Mary H.K. Choi, all the authors we've had on the so show. So basically only, only only <laughs> Korean ones, except for Ling Ma. Oh, no. She's yeah. Chinese. Let's stop while we're ahead yeah. before we start encroaching <laughs> on haters. <laughs> Every author we've had, I've read their books. So we love you, them you, all. You, mm -hmm. Dear friends of the pod. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Kathy, uh, needless to say, we're very excited to have you on the podcast. And uh, before we dive into our discussion, we like to ask each other how we're feeling. Oh. So Young Me, how are you feeling? Um, sorry, I'm like trying to 
parse my mind. I'm trying to, um, I know this is the entire point of this podcast was that I would not do this, but I just feel like I can't cry in front of Kathy Park, huh? <laughs> but like, I just had like a really rough day because I had like therapy and it was just like, I feel, you know, like every once in a while you like do therapy and then you hit one of the, like the big, the big moments in your life that you fucking have to process. And the breakthroughs, it, as they like to call yeah, it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, my therapist actually brought it up a few weeks ago. She was like, you know, I think we have to talk about this. I know you don't want to, but whenever you're ready. And I was like, today is the day. Mm. Um, and then now I feel horrible. <laughs> I like cried and I just feel mm. really sad. Um, and oh, I think, I, I don't know. It's okay. It's fine. I think I, I, I feel like my brain feels very foggy because I feel like usually when I have to process something very emotional, it's like I get very foggy. Mm. Um, and I think something about just introducing the final guest made me really upset. Like, uh, you know, like we've been talking for a few weeks about how it's like sad, you know, it's getting sad now that we're nearing the end. But I think just like, um, just like, that whole little intro made me really sad. Um, but obviously I'm very happy to have, you know, and very inspired to have such a great guest on the podcast. I'm like really honored um, that you're here to join us, Kathy. And I'm really honored that all the other former guests did it. You know, like how how amazing that, you know, like when I was just naming all the great authors that we spoke to and, you know, among other very talented, wonderful people, like, it's really moving that um, all of them took the time to speak to us. You know, it's just very, very moving. And, you know, Brian and I always talk about how we feel like we're not good enough. And it's just like, it's always like surprising to us when people say they're going to do the podcast. It, <laughs> oh, it always comes as a shock. I'm always like, what? You know, um, I just feel like so thankful, I think. But um, yeah, something, something about the, that introduction really um stirred up a lot of emotion in me but oh yeah oh sorry it's getting real brian it's really gonna end (laughs) it's get it's getting real it's getting real i know you mentioned that before like yeah i think each week as we encroach the end more and more of it's getting absorbed into my body the acceptance that this is the end times we're finally coming to the conclusion of this chapter in our lives and yeah, it's crazy we've done this thing for the yeah. last three years so it's just such a constant uh, in our lives but yeah yeah well i'm sorry you're going through that young me it's okay i mean you know i'm like just thankful i think you know that ryan is here listening and you know, I've done this so many times where I, our our poor guests, we invite them on and they're right up top. I'm just like, oh, you're, sc- <laughs> and- you're scaring the ho- you're scaring the hose. I'm scaring the hose away. No, we're at the club. We're at the nightclub. I'm I'm Brian's wingman and I start crying at the nightclub. Brian's like, keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, no, I'm definitely no. scaring all the hoes away um <laughs> but you know yeah it's i guess uh, i guess in classic me fas- fashion i'm gonna awkwardly <laughs> make the vibe sad in front of our guest who we just met <laughs> three minutes ago <laughs> i gotta i gotta end it like how i started it i guess so yeah that's how i'm feeling i'm feeling sad you know a bunch of like former stuff like life stuff and then plus this this is which is you know a really sad event and i'm um i feel glad that i'm able to emotionally capable of processing it while it's happening because that's not something i would you know i'm very good at so yeah i'm just yeah. mostly thankful that's how i feel how are you feeling brian uh similarly very similarly um you know it, it is very crazy to uh to have you as our our last guest uh kathy because um you know when we started this podcast young me and i we all we had like a list of people that uh we always saw as like reach reach guests or people that would be oh it'd be so amazing like to have and yeah it's just crazy it's just crazy uh i i in, in a corny way it's like 
so we are our own worst critics and if we just build the thing nothing is out of the realm of possibility and uh so i'm very excited to to be able to have this um this episode with you kathy and to speak with you but um yeah overall i'm feeling uh nervous excited for what's to come beyond this podcast uh i know i took a break from stand-up comedy to focus on this podcast and uh, one of the things that I really want to do uh, once this ends is to get really just get hit the ground running and return to stand up. Um, so if you're listening, uh, follow us on socials. Come to one of our shows. I'm already kicking the self promo into high gear, but I, you know, I did stand up this week, and yeah, it, it was the first time that I went back on stage in three years, and obviously there was a Whoa. pandemic that happened. So there was a pandemic that happened, which complicated wow. things. But oh my god, what a what a fucking kick in the face that was! <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I, yeah, it was. Uh, I just felt like a baby deer on stage. I just was so fucking rusty. You know, I I assumed yeah. that it would be very much like riding a bike. Like once you, you'd imagine that if you commit yourself to a craft for eight years that is some it just doesn't go away but instead i just felt like i had undone all of the progress that i had made and i somewhat spiraled a little bit because i'm like fuck if i'm fucking this is what am i what am i doing what have i done to to myself where i put so myself into this predicament um, so you're saying you try to get back on the bike and you forgot how to get ride the bike so the saying isn't true <laughs> Basically, no, no, no. I, what I like to, what I'm likening it to, is I'm wearing goggles and they're just covered in so much dust. And I mm. think I just, you know, each time I get back on uh, on stage, I'm just like, I'm, I'm only allowed one wipe. And once I clear mm. out all the dust, we're good to go, baby. Revving at 100 miles per hour. Um, there you but go, yeah. Brian. You're like doing your old thing of uh, saying a metaphor that no one's ever heard before <laughs> that you just sort of invented. You're yeah, like, you know, that's... when you have dusty goggles and you have baby wipes, and it, we're like, yep, back at it. <laughs> I was just channeling my, uh, I, you know, maybe it's just the energy of having Kathy on this podcast. I was just trying to tap into my inner writer, just being very <laughs> <Yeah>. descriptive. <laughs> You know, hitting in, hitting the metaphors, but instead I'm I just creating that. idioms that have never existed in the human language. Um, <laughs> but yeah, overall I am feeling, but I, there, there's a little bit of fear there. You know, there's a little bit of fear. Um, there's a little yeah. bit of ego there because I had done this thing for so long. So naturally I would assume that it didn't go away. I'm very good at this craft and you know, it's, it's a little rusty right now. So I, I hope I can shake off the cobwebs and uh return to, to 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 the form that i was before the podcast and i don't yeah. know it's all exciting it's a good thing i'm i'm leaning into the discomfort i'm just gonna follow that fear and it's gonna be good uh -huh. um i think you're just probably being more self-critical than I, I feel like you're you know i think that's like true for both of us like we're very like you're probably seeing it way worse than what it really is. Because I remember I saw you do comedy one time. I didn't realize that you just stopped doing stand-up. I just thought you were still st sort of doing shows like I was, but... <laughs> no, I, guess... I stopped. <laughs> I was I was so... I was becoming very frustrated with the art form, but that's something we'll mm. probably discuss uh, in this episode. But okay. yeah, that's overall how I'm feeling. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm sad about the podcast ending, but I'm also looking forward to leading into the to the unknown, into the discomfort, mm -hmm. and excited to do more stand up. But enough about us, Kathy. How are you feeling? Uh, well, now this host's sad too. <laughs> no, <Aww. laughs> Sorry. I feel sad. Kind of coming into the tail end of this uh, show, and um, it just feels very bittersweet to be uh, to be here with both of you. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's awesome that you guys did this podcast, and now it's archived. It's here. It's like people can uh listen to it whenever they want and it's like it's just you know years from now when you have your own show on hbo you could like listen to 
this podcast and think, wow, this is what we were doing during the pandemic. I think you guys had like a great thing going on here, um, going on, but, um, oh, I'm sad too, but also nervous, nervous for very different reasons than you, Brian. And I also think that, uh, you know, stand up is like, uh, I don't know if it's like riding a bike, but it's definitely like exercising, right? You haven't been to the Mm -hmm. gym in years. And then you go back and you just feel like you're going to die after being on the treadmill mm-hmm. for 20 minutes. You know, I mean, I just yeah. joined this gym um, that's just across the street from me uh, called Orange Theory, which is kicking my oh. butt. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's a hardcore. Sounds fancy. It's har- a hardcore gym. It's like a class where you're on the treadmill. Yeah, it's like a, it's a competition. Yeah, it's yeah. a competition. It's like, a, um, it's sort of like, uh like they treat going to the gym like it's a it's like it's like it's virtual like it's all based on points the point system yeah it's really (laughs) and i'm not like that at all i just never go to the gym and but i was like i really somehow need to get in shape and maybe if it's like there's a point system and it's a class and if i don't uh, yeah. work hard enough. I'm just going to be humiliated. Maybe this is the only <laughs> way. So I joined and I was actually got getting good at it. And then I got COVID and then oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I was out for two weeks and then I went back to orange theory and I was like, I can't, I'm so embarrassed. I can't do this. So now <laughs> I have to find a way back to orange theory. So I assuming that's what stand up comedy is. You know, or, yeah, you know, it's like going to the gym. And you haven't been for a while, or I, you know, writing is a, a, yeah. a, a right. corollary. Like you, you got it, and I tell my students this too. You have to work out. You have to write mm. every day mm-hmm. so that you're in it. And then when you're out yeah. of it, you haven't been, you haven't done it for a year or a month or even a week. It's just, it's hard, you know. So just got. Yeah. So I'm excited to see you do uh, stand up. Anyway, I'm doing. I before um, before I was sad. Before I became sad, I was doing. I was pretty. <laughs> I was doing. I, I was kind of happy today, actually, because I had. <laughs> Look um, what you did, young me. <laughs> yeah, I had um, like seventy-eight hours of sleep, which, as you you know, when you get to be my age, you start having less vices. So having to seven seven to eight hours of sleep is like the ultimate high for you basically <laughs> sadly and then um i don't know it's a beautiful day and i went to the park i wrote and nice. um but overall yeah i'm i am i i would say generally i'm i'm actually really quite nervous uh you mm. know for different reasons uh because of midterm scotus you know all that fun stuff mm-hmm. we don't need to get into that though for this podcast <laughs> you know i mean if you yeah. want mm-hmm. it's a, whatever you want <laughs> we'll see where <laughs> conversation leads us we don't want to ruin the vibe even more yeah. after me crying <laughs> immediately <laughs> um yeah what more could you want eight hours of sleep Sitting in the park, getting some writing done. That sounds like the best day ever. Mm-hmm. But that's just today. It's not like every day is today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Kathy, you have credited the stand-up comedian uh, Richard Pryor as inspiration for your own work. Have you ever done stand-up? No, I could never do stand-up, like actual stand-up in front of at an actual club, stand-up comedy club. I'm not that masochistic. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm not as masochistic as you are, Ryan. No, I, I, I think I have, but I kind of, um, you know, it was a real, um, um, it wasn't real stand-up. Basically, I, I, I write about it in minor feelings, where, yeah, you know, I was, you know, I, I'm a poet, and um, mm-hmm. I was doing uh, quite a few poetry readings. Uh, and I just hated doing them. I just Mm. was just thought it was, um, well, it kind of like, unfortunately, I don't want to kind of, um, um, you know, I I don't want to reaffirm stereotypes about poetry readings because people tend to roll their eyes or just think it's going to be, it's a snooze fest, but 
Mm-hmm. The ones that I were going to are, were kind of were. They were like snooze fest. It was very white. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like being in church, you know, and it was just very scripted. And the laugh, mm-hmm. you know, when there was like any laughter, it was very forced. And mm-hmm. um, there was just a real piety to it. And so I, so mm-hmm. I was like, you know, uh, fuck this. I'm not going to actually read my poems. Instead mm-hmm. of reading my poems, I'm just going to tell jokes and nice. do a stand-up comedy act. So that's, so it was like, I kind of, what's the word for it? Where I just sort of, where I was like pulling the rug under the whole poetry yeah. format where uh-huh, uh-huh. It, when it was my, I wouldn't tell them that I was reading poetry. I would, I would yeah. tell them that I was telling jokes. I would just go up, but instead of reading poetry, I would, do jokes. Jokes. I would do jokes and they're very, and at first what I did was like, I, because I didn't think of it as standup comedy, I was thinking it was more like a kind of pretentious conceptual um, project. I was like, I would just recite jokes that other standup uh, comedians mm. have uh, mm. used like, you know, so uh, from, oh. you know, just, you know, it was just like a panoply of, of, of jokes that other comedians did, but then I would, wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't source them. So people don't know, people would either know or they didn't. <laughs> and that, you yeah. know, it, that's like the biggest no-no, right? That's like the biggest, uh, you can't steal jokes in stand-up comedy. You were doing an right. Amy Schumer. Huh? <laughs> you were pulling an Amy Schumer. What did Amy Schumer kidding. do that? Did Amy Schumer th- steal th- jokes? Did I don't know. Do I saw that? something about her being a joke stealer, but I think it's oh, just, gosh. it's like well, a misogynistic was, thing. I was stealing jokes woman. from like, I don't know, like, um, uh, you know, what's his name? So were you just Chris telling Rock. jokes about what it was like <laughs> to be Rock. a black person yeah. in America? And people were like, I don't think Kathy wrote those jokes. Yeah, no, no. And then and then I started inserting my own jokes, you know, oh, oh, wow. my own jokes awesome. and use it, using my own life uh, from my own life and that I would be otherwise really embarrassed to. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, say in public, but I was like, well, <laughs> if I intersperse my own jokes among yeah. all the other jokes, and they were actually jokes that people understood were not my jokes, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, me jokes, and they wouldn't understand, they wouldn't know which ones were my jokes and which ones were. So it was kind of like <laughs> yeah, a yeah. safety net for me. And then eventually, I mean, it was like you know, using other people's jerks or jo- jerks jokes were kind of like a, a training wheel. Because eventually, so I stopped using other uh, using other people's jokes, and I just told mm-hmm. my own jokes. And um, but they weren't, you know, it wasn't like stand-up comedy. It was just like a stunt. Well, what, it was just like sort of my middle comedy. finger to the whole <laughs> yeah, yeah. poetry literary establishment. You know, I never right. actually went to a club and perform my right. jokes i would right, oh, right. i would be booed out of the stage it would just i would be heckled <laughs> out of the stage off the stage it would just or they would just worse than that i guess it would just be deadly silence you know <laughs> i i'm imagining so, that you crushed at these poetry readings like your stand-up set killed yeah I think it depended. I mean, I only did a handful and make, you know, make it seem as if I did it for years. But um, I think there were a couple of them. And when they were at bars, there were pe- at first people were very, very uncomfortable. And they were just sort of look at each other, oh, give like each other's weird. side eyes, like what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. And then they would kind of chuckle and then they would get into it and they would laugh. And there, there was one um, where I was actually doing a presentation on comedy where everyone <laughs> thought I was hilarious, you know, but these are like my friends, you know, they laughed, right, right. you yeah. know, they laughed, they like gave me a standing ovation. I was like, Oh, maybe I could be a stand-up comedian. And then I did it at some other, uh, I don't know, some other event where it was mostly like college students and it was just really painful. It was, <laughs> it was just crickets. And the, my, the students were looking at me like, who the hell are you? <laughs> this is really lame and painful. I need to get out of here as fast as oh, possible. No. And so after that, after that, I was like, okay, that's enough. I'm that not going to You're still recovering from that day. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. bombed so bad. You never got back on. Yeah. Brian, isn't this, it's, this is so funny. Cause I feel like Brian and I are like, you're literally just describing 
our lives. Like you do one show oh, at yeah. a bar and it kills and you're like, I'm the next Chris Rock. <laughs> and then the next time you do it, crickets. But yeah. I am thinking like conceptually, <laughs> the inversion of what you did, Kathy, would just be, young me, it would just be for us to do poetry at a comedy show, mm-hmm. which is essentially what alt comedy is at this point in 2022. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you um, say that you're a bi girl, but you have a boyfriend. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm going to start reading Kathy Park Hong poems at uh, open mics. Oh, please do. Yeah. I'm please to. do. Read from Dance Dance Revolution. That's yes. uh, in a in a in a Creole voice. That should be interesting. <laughs> Oh um, no! Will I get canceled? I guess there's Asian people no, with Creole. No, no, it's not like it's not like Black Creole. It's not like Caribbean uh, or Creole. It's like a Creole is you know just basically what Creole is like a, a what it means is just it's like a amalgam or a, a mm. combination of different languages, right? So it was like mm. so the so the language that I use for Dance Dance Revolution is like. There's some Korean and, you know, mm. Middle English. It's, you know, it's not. Yeah. Oh, I'm not trying to speak in African-American vernacular. Oh, sorry. Like I'm going to be very honest with you, Kathy. I did not read that book. I did not read that one. Oh, well, this I'm... is me coming to terms with me being a liar for all these years. Mm. See? Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll read it after this, I promise. Yeah. Um, but... You know, in in minor feelings, you do talk about uh, like in what you have an essay uh, talking about Richard Pryor and how you sort of wanted to capture the sort of rawness that he implemented about speaking about his experiences as a as a black man in America and infuse mm. that sort of uh, irreverence into your own writing. And I guess um, you know, my next question is like, what what what's it like to write? the i guess the quote-unquote like the bible for asian american feelings um like at any point when you were writing these essays did you feel that you like were you acutely aware like oh this is good like this is gonna be a banger like i have something big on my hands (laughs) uh would i be seen as like an egotistical monster if i said yes (laughs) no not at all no no no, not at all no i did but look I, I think that, um, you know, all writers, I didn't think that, no, actually. But I think I was actually very bipolar about uh, how the book was going to be received, which is not unexceptional, which is not exceptional. I think a lot mm. of writers feel this way. Yeah. Whether you're a poet or, you know, a mystery writer or whatever, I think you're going to either think one day you're going to think, my book is going to be a New York Times bestseller and it's going to be on the bestseller for years and years and ev- mm-hmm. it's going to blow everyone's mind or, mm-hmm. the, or the next day you're going to think everyone hates me, no one loves me, no one's going to yep. read this book, I'm a horrible person, I should just die. You know, it's just like, it, yes. it just goes back and forth and back and forth. It's never in between. It's mm-hmm. never, oh, you know, some people will read it, it'll get, you know, a couple of reviews and yeah. And then I'll write another book. You know, yeah. I, I think there are some very healthy, sane writers who do think that way. I'm not mm-hmm. one of them. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I did. So when I, while I was reading, I mean, writing minor feelings, that was, that was sort of my, the pendulum was swinging in one direction or the other. Yeah. And then when, and usually mostly I was thinking, no, one's going to read this. And then, mm. um, mm-hmm. and then I would get mad that no one was going to read it, you know, before yeah. it even came out. And then, um, and then the times where I would catch myself and think, oh, it's going to be a big book. Everyone's going to read it. I would scold myself and think, right. don't even think that. How dare you think that? Because that's not going to happen. So it was mm. that was the kind of dialogue that was happening in my mind which I don't again I you know it is me being neurotic but I also think that it's not atypical of anyone who's actually in the creative field to have that kind of uh sort of um you know um back and forth um about about their about their writing you know so I've been trying to I've been trying to have reach a happy medium so so yes and no to answer your question. Yeah. That must be really interesting. Now hearing your answer, um, 
it must be interesting because I, I think I think you're definitely correct. At, you know, from the people that I know that do write and do other creative things, those two things exist all the time. Like Brian and I struggle with that. You know, like when we when I make like jokes or something like that, I'm like, this is the best joke ever. And then, mm. I'm, and then I'm like, people think I'm a fucking idiot. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to crawl in a hole and die. But um, <laughs> I know that's very common, but it must be really interesting as a writer when you, you have those two extremes in your head and then the book comes out and it does go to the positive extreme. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it did, it did, it was like the New York Times bestseller forever. And it just like, it blew up in a way that I've, I haven't really seen, um, you know, a book on that topic uh, get that big. I, I don't know if I'm like missing any, but like in recent memory, I'm, I've never seen it like a book like that do so well. And so it must be really, how did it feel when it came out and it did meet those like, super high like um i guess expectations that you kind of were seeing in your head um it it wasn't meteoric you know it was it Mm -hmm. was actually it wasn't like the book came out and suddenly you know and i was on the today show and like it was like and it immediately hit the bestseller list and you know and then there was a parade for me or anything like that (laughs) it was it was really actually um um more of a gradual um mm. success and uh you know and it was also you have to understand you know the book came out right like a week before the pandemic and the city shut down so right it was, right. It was really quite there was also something very disconnected about mm. having the book out there in the world because I wasn't actually going out and doing readings and meeting my readers or anything like that, you know? So yeah. I often, you know, say that it was like when the book did, did become really successful, it was like, it was happening to my avatar rather than me. Like I was still right. at home, not, you know, just, you know, making sourdough, making sourdough, making banana <laughs> bread, <Washing> your <laughs> making banana bread, and listening to Fiona Apple, which is what some people were doing in 2020. But, um, <laughs> but I, I was, uh, but basically, you know, it was, it was great, and it was more word of mouth, which was I yes. was so grateful for. It was like a lot of yep. Asian American readers, and um, not, yeah. and not just Asian American readers. There are also like other BIPOC readers and white mm-hmm. readers who were really responding strongly and were just like, you know, um, buying it um, as gifts for their friends. And, and it was like, you know, it was being circulated around through social media and they're like all these people, there were people having book clubs around the book and everything. So it was like, it, I felt really happy because it was, it was kind of like the success of the book. Was not like, it was all, um, you know, even though my publishing company is amazing, it wasn't like, you know, there are certain books where it's orchestrated by the pub, the pub because it's like they got a seven book, a seven figure deal. Um, yeah. That it was right, like, right. oh, it's like a, it, they ensure that it's going to be the Oprah book club book, you know, whereas right, my right, book, right. it was like, it was really just more of a kind of a grassroots effort, you know. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, um, you know, and for a while, my book wasn't even available to buy because there was like not enough copies because there was a paper mm. shortage. I don't know if you remember that during the pandemic. And, oh you gosh. know, so there were just like these little dips and swells. But I was, I was, right. I was really happy that like, really, actually, my ultimate goal was that minor feelings reach the readers who needed it. You know, mm-hmm. and that was what was happening. I was like, this is, I'm happy. I'm happy that's happening. Mm-hmm. And then actually it wasn't really until it came out in paperback that mm-hmm. suddenly um, there were, um, you know, that it hit the New York Times bestseller list, became finalist mm-hmm. with Pulitzer and won the National mm-hmm. Book Critics Circle. And then there was like this kind of um, more of this sort of more traditional mainstream um, right. success, you know, and then the Time Magazine thing came in and yeah, and then it was like, it was weird and there were, you know, there'd be a few times where I'd be recognized on the street when I'd be, you know, wearing sweatpants and my hair would be like <laughs> Einstein and I'm like, you know, I, I you know, Einstein's hair, but uh, and I was like, okay, this is, this is definitely really weird. 
Um, but uh, yeah, no, I would say it's strange. I'm still the same person. Nothing has changed. Like I still hang out with the same people. Like, you know, I still right. got my daughter who's eight from school yeah. and, you know, I still Aww. complain about the same things. Uh, yeah. You know, that hasn't changed, but I guess the supposed success is feels still at this point feels more abstract than anything else, but I'm still grateful. Yeah. And yeah, I'm still grateful for it. I'm very happy, you know, that, yeah. right. that it reached readers that need to reach. Oh, I didn't know your daughter is eight years old. I have a son that's eight years old. Oh, really? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> They're so cute now. Um, I, ca- I have a follow-up question to that. And that is with the book being so well received, have you felt a pressure uh whether it's from you know mostly from media sources like to be i guess an authority on a- asian american issues mm-hmm. are you comfortable with that like how no. has that been like no i'm not comfortable with that and i don't mm-hmm. really i don't uh platform myself as being any kind of spokesperson or uh although i get asked that question all the time you know right. and, mm-hmm. Um, and, and yes, of course, when the book came out and what, I mean, I think what I find really kind of annoying is, Mm. um, how people, and this is, I think this is for any book that has anything to do with race. Uh, Mm. you know, people are like, oh, well, it's so tiny. You know, it's like that book is so relevant. Minor feelings. I've heard this Mm -hmm. so many times, like, oh, it's so popular because it's so relevant because of anti-hate mm. and da 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 like as if I like mm-hmm. sort of calculated or planned <laughs> the publication of the book into being in sync with the rise in anti-Asian hate. And it's just, I find it really frustrating because mm. I'm like, this has been happening for, yeah. you know, over a hundred years and it's going to continue happening when you don't, when you stop caring. So can we mm. stop with this? whole talking point about a certain book that that deals with race race issues being relevant or timely but i think Mm. because of the timeliness quote-unquote timeliness of the book um you know um people are eager media outlets are eager and you know other institutions and and um, that are looking for um 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 you know, speakers are eager to have these talking heads who could say something about the Atlantic, uh, Atlanta murder, or, you know, or just anti-Asian hate in general, or just mental health and Asian Americans. And, and, you know, and I get, you know, I was a poet. I mean, I was like, before I was like, asked questions about like, you know, what is a Sestina, you know, and and now (laughs) it's like, it's mm-hmm. like, what do you think about the high suicide suicide rate among Asian Americans? <laughs> right. What's your? But I'm like, I'm asked to be an expert on all these subjects that I'm not like, I don't necessarily have training for. So it's definitely been difficult. And what I often say is that I I'm not, you know, I I can only speak from my own experience, and um, yeah. I can only speak from my own experience, and that. Um, you know, I think we need to have a different model. Like what I'm hoping and what I have been happy about is that there's so many Asian American voices that have were there before me and have been coming out yeah. since like your podcast, for instance, uh, that has been around, has, that has existed before and after who speaks that speak, you know, that uh, speak on all of these issues and that kind of gave a sense of solidarity for everyone, you know, so I'm more interested in that. And I do speak out because I also feel I do speak out because I feel like Mm -hmm. I I feel a responsibility to uh, I I can't just be silent. I also feel like I have the platform where I want to whether it's amplifying someone's book or uh, talking about something like affirmative action. I'm like, I can't can't, I'm going to say I feel uh, you know, I do feel like I have to say something about it. But I also want to be part of a chorus of which I am. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's such a great way to put it. I, I just want to touch really quick. Um, I feel like one of the m- more upsetting parts of your book, Minor Feelings, um, <clears throat> and I want to touch on this because you mentioned, you know, like this has been happening for so long and uh-huh. now you're like, oh, it's so relevant right now. But the part of the book that really, really upset me um, was the part where you were talking about the history of how Chinese Americans have been treated or Chinese citizens in America have been treated. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I thought that that was like, I mean, like, that's just like such a good, 
um, I think it was a it's a good thing to bring up right now because as you said, it's been happening since, you know, all the way back then and before that, even the stuff that you mentioned in the book. But what's really scary is that that stuff has been like wiped off of out of our history books, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and it's just like, you know, I think in your book and then recently I started like listening to some podcasts that like mention all of those like massacres of Asian people in America that's been just completely erased from our history. Um, and then, you know, of, of course we saw the wonderful show take out with Lisa Ling, which is kind of like kind of touches on those sort of like mm-hmm. um, erased histories. And it makes me um, like that, that kind of realization makes me just so angry and sad because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. literal, like um, deleting deleting people mm-hmm. you know yeah, like well, they didn't yeah. even exist or something yeah no it's been like a wholesale erasure like hist- mm-hmm. uh, erasure <laughs> of these like historical moments and I think that's what we're kind of battling with right now I mean that's what the whole yeah. critical race theory controversy is right it's like mm-hmm, exactly why don't we now there are enough America, this country has gotten diverse enough that their Americans are like, we have not, we have taught, been taught a sanitized history of uh, American democracy, uh, rather than a country that has been, uh, you know, founded on by genocide and ensla- uh, enslavement and exclusion of immigrants. And we need to mm-hmm. teach that. And then, yeah. and of course, now we're hearing, I mean, and this has been the platform for the right to push against that and saying, we don't want to teach any of that and so forth. So, um, right. and I, I think it's scary. It's scary. And I don't know where we'll end yeah, up, but scary. at the same time, I, I think there's a real fight. People are now at least aware of it. And I know that mm-hmm. um, I didn't wasn't taught that either. You know, I was not, not right. taught about the uh, tran- um, the Chinese migrants who came in the mid 1800s and like how they built the transit, they how they built the railroad and how, you yeah. know, they were excluded from the photo when they, it was the gold with the golden spike and 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 then also how they were excluded from this country yeah. in 1882. Like that was not. Uh, that was never taught to me. Um, and I didn't seek yeah. that out in college either because I didn't actually, right. I did, I took, I took other like, you know, classes that taught race theory, but I didn't actually take any like one-on-one at the Asian American studies class where that, uh, that kind of, uh, that kind of thing, uh, those kind of facts were taught. Um, yeah. but I think there's a lot of work being done now, which is, mm-hmm. which makes me happy, which makes me hopeful. Like there are books coming out, like May Nye's book, um, um, the Chinese question, which is all about, mm. which is like a deep kind of, uh, investigation in, um, Chinese migration and how that affected global capitalism, uh, now and then there's like and then there are all I also know scholars who are really mm-hmm. taking the initiative in say Connecticut like in Connecticut to teach Asian American history in public schools you know from elementary mm-hmm. school middle school and high school so this is there is like real work being done and even the kind of history I, I don't know about your eight-year-old but like my eight-year-old is definitely getting a different uh, education than I than mm-hmm. I did when I was a kid where I was like, I took field trips. I'm from Cal- California. Mm. And we were like, I took field trips. We took field trips as Spanish missionaries. And we we're like, look right. at these right. cool missionaries. And look at these, like, you know, these Spanish priests were so good to these Native Americans and really taught them, you know, the alphabet and how um, be good and and to be Christian and, you know, civilize yeah. them. And we should all be grateful. You know, that was the kind of, and I, that's not... Yeah. That was my education, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Also, that kind of education is still happening, though. And there are people trying to make sure that it still happens. Oh, well, this is the the, the fight, right? Yeah. No, that, of course. Sad. Yeah. uh, Those people that are still getting married on plantations, like, what is happening? Yeah. I know. It's like, this. I will never (laughs) forgive... Blake Lively for getting married in his I always remember that. Never forget. I never forget. You will never be forgiven, Blake Lively. Wow. I forgot. 
and now I've been reminded. Yeah. And it's going to take another 10 years for me to ever. She you know what? I'm canceled. never going to forget. She is canceled <laughs> in my mind. No one also, else has canceled her. I canceled her. Also, is this a fever dream or am I remembering? I swear to God, I feel like when Kate whatever her name, Middleton and um, the, the, the bald guy. It's William, chef, yeah. Chef. Chef? Chef. <laughs> <laughs> chef William. Like, Prince William got married. Am I having, is this, a, is this, I feel like, is this a false memory? They had, they had like an Africa themed wedding. Am I losing my mind or, because how, how could they, right? I swear to God. Are you, the, am I losing I, I don't know. Maybe this Chef is Mandela William. effect happening to <laughs> Should I? I'm going to look it up really quick because I'm, I don't now, know I'm if getting the royals upset. in Buckingham Palace would vet. That, that has to go through so many uh, people to get vetted through to finally Queen Elizabeth being like, yes, yes, let's let's approve the Africa-themed Afri- wedding for Prince, Prince William. There's no way. <laughs> Why am I... Re- I don't think it was... I think I sort of vaguely remember... I think something that, like I, that, I do, but it wasn't an African wedding. <laughs> I don't think it was a wedding. I do think maybe okay. Prince William did blackface for Halloween rumor. because a lot of uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Western global leaders, that just seems to be a prerequisite at some point. Why have there been so <laughs> many powerful royalty figures and politicians who have like gone blackface? <laughs> I've never. I mean, yeah, I know it's why. A, it's a bit but wild. Still anyone just, like, in a lot of, but... lot of effort. It just it, it's so absurd. <laughs> just it's from just, a like, logistical standpoint, every month, every month. There is like a photograph uh, revealed of someone in blackface. What was the last one? Trudeau, wasn't it? Trudeau. Just, yeah. yeah, he yeah. was the last one who came well, out. Well, Trudeau black. has like I'm, so oh. many different <laughs> costume offenses. Oh, no, I can't get over um, that I called Prince William Chef William. That's so funny. I don't know. <laughs> the chef. The chef. She's married to that chef guy. Sorry. <laughs> I love that. Um. Um, oh, wait, uh, let's start the Africa rumor. They had an Africa themed <laughs> wedding. I swear to God, they have s- some sort of really inappropriate Africa themed party. And it was like, like they got the party favors at like Party City. It was like horrible. I know this wasn't on the original outline, but I'm just, I just want to satiate my own curiosity here, Kathy. Mm. So, you know, going back to your days doing these poetry readings and then sort of subverting the form of that and deciding to do stand up to now where. You know, you you published Minor Feelings. Um, I guess, like, what has been the best piece of advice that you've received in your career as an artist that kind of helped you keep going and keep the thread alive? Oh, God. Um, I mean, I've had so many. It's like I'm trying to think, like, I'm trying to think of one good advice you know I think that um um I mean they're they're very basic right it is like for one don't be so hard on yourself uh two uh uh being a writer or being a poet sucks but (laughs) (laughs) but it will get better it uh will bet it will get better and I I think what was I, you know, I don't, I'm kind of like sort of um, summarizing a composite of, mm-hmm. of advice that I've gotten was that, um, you know, and this is a quote that I actually tell to my students, which is uh, a quote by Dolly Parton, which is, find out who you are and do it on purpose. And I think that like, mm. you know, I, there is this, especially with younger writers and a younger version of myself, there is this really this urge to always, there's this kind of um, temptation to follow trends or to, mm. uh, uh, you know, write in a way that uh, follows the market and so forth. And that kind of writing will never uh, if you want to be sing- a singular writer or uh, that's never going to um, sustain any kind of, give you any kind of sustaining career. And you have to really right. stick to what makes you different. And this is another quote uh, that, you know, Toni Morrison has said this, and I think uh, this is really important for all writers is that, you know, instead of writing a book with a subject matter that you think is marketable or popular, write a book where that you have wanted to read that isn't out there yet, you know, Mm. that hasn't been published that. So that's Mm. like 
So that was that was the impetus for minor feelings, you know, and Mm. um, and that's always been like I've always sort of really tried to follow my own sort of obsessions and my own weird, sometimes very esoteric compulsion. Um, you know, I mean, before I was writing minor feelings, I was writing science fictional poetry, which, you know, no one read, you know, but that was where (laughs) that was what I was interested in, you know, um, and, um, you know, and I really try not to think about, um, you know, what, 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 how big the audience will be or what the white audience Mm. will think, or even now, like what the Asian American audience wants or anything. Right, right, right. So, Yeah. So that was wow. sort of my long-winded answer. Yeah. I love that. No, that's great right. advice. So the next time I tweet something and it gets zero likes, I'm going to think to myself, yeah, this is what Kathy Park Hong would have wanted. This one's for me. <laughs> I don't my know. singular voice. <laughs> I mean, I think like being raised Korean too, like <laughs> Koreans are so obsessed with other people, what other people think you know yeah. Mm, yeah. and yeah. you know they're not it's not like it's a, a you know there's always we're always needing and i think there's that sort of double negative of being both korean and being a writer because being a writer <laughs> you constantly need that external validation and being right. a korean you need constantly need that external do- validation and it's been yeah. like this really long on i don't know if i'm totally over it but it's been this really long ongoing process to really mm. sever myself from needing that external validation and i think being a stand up comedian is even more uh <sighs> even more kind of uh, a blunt curse kind of, uh, you know you're literally making jokes to make people laugh you know if people aren't laughing yeah. then it's like you're a failure wow right wow so, but stand-up comedy hurts. is the most korean art form it is it is the most <laughs> korean art form because of the you need that approval in order for your your set you know to work to be successful but i think Would that, yeah but at the same after there's nothing there yeah but then at the same time it's like yeah it's really hard to like unconditioned to sort of deprogram yourself of yeah. that need for it's external hard. validation but you really need to you really uh, you know that's what therapy is for right you know <laughs> uh, yeah i find it like because you know also i'm korean and mm-hmm. and you know i i've always needed it, it is such a culture where that's all there is and that's how you know who you are mm-hmm. um and just like moving away from that the, the, i think for me you, you know you hear people like say this all the time they're like Oh, who cares what other people think? Just like uh, care, you care about like yourself or something. But I think the truth is that that's not the answer. Isn't to just be like at one extreme. It's like somewhere in the middle. Like you do need the external validation and your internal validation at the same time. I think. Well, you want like a reciprocal relationship with other people. I mean, the other end of it is just being totally selfish and you know, not being like just being willfully uh, deaf to, uh, you know, what other people, you know, other people's feelings, you know, and I'm going to, you know, that's Trump, right? You know, so there's like, the other end of that is being like a malignant narcissist, you know, but, you know, it's like you want, yeah, you want to balance, you want to have this sort of inner confidence, but then at the same time, you also want to be open and porous and really, you know, have, be, have that exchange with other people so that you're, you're not also hurting other people too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that feels really good. Like the few fleeting moments, I think that I've had this like good balance of like this is like what i want to say mm-hmm. and these people want to hear it yeah and everyone's happy mm-hmm. and no one thinks i'm stupid mm-hmm. and like for i think that for one minute and then the next minute i'm like i'm a loser mm-hmm. <laughs> no stop that <laughs> look at the mirror and say i'm i love my i I don't know. I'm not going to go with it. Motivational self-help. Yeah. People are addicted to all that self-help <laughs> bullshit too, I think. So that's, that, that, maybe that's all the, that's the other end. It's not Trump. It's like all that self-help guru stuff. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. Self-help, that self-help book is, uh, it's yeah. very true though. Um, no, that is the highest praise though, young me. I feel is when people describe like a certain factor a certain thing as a insert your name type of joke like oh this is like a very young me joke or this is like a very brian joke like that's the thing that tickles me more than anything uh wow 
that is uh i think that's a great no, that's a great piece of advice that i needed to hear and from dolly parton of all places so i'm definitely gonna have to uh dive what do you into mean of her. all places dolly parton's a genius brian she no, has such she's good a, quotes she's absolute awesome. legend absolute yeah. legend she's very smart that mm-hmm. it's been a while smart since enough. i've yeah. visited her discography and it's uh now i've been reminded to do as such um but kathy uh Man, this is going to be the last time that we ask this question, young me. But, you know, on this podcast, uh, we like to ask all of our guests one last question. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the final time on the Feeling Asian podcast, Kathy, what is something that you're proud of? Um, I'm proud of, well, I'm proud of writing Minor Feelings. I'm proud that it has, mm-hmm. like, reached out a lot of readers and um, it's moved a lot of people and that... Uh, you know, that there have been some people who even said that it changed your life. You know, I'm, I am proud of it. I'm proud of my family. I mean, I'm going to be a little bit cheesy here. I'm proud of my daughter. I'm proud of, uh, yeah, I, I, um, let's see. Um, what are you proud of? What are we proud of? Um, I'm proud that, I'm proud that we did this podcast Mm -hmm. and we did it like the way that we wanted, even though, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure there was a better way to, I I don't know. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I'm proud. What am I proud of? I don't know. I'm proud of, I have to say, I'm proud of my son, but I'm also proud of, I'm proud of the fact that I, um, cause I noticed that he, you know, now that he's eight, he has like a, a sense of humor. That's like very, mm-hmm. um, much his own. And I'm like, it, it's, it's easy to see it in your child and be like, Oh, he's amazing. But then I'm like, you know, I think he's funny because I, obviously I raised him and like, he is influenced by my behavior. And I'm like, I'm proud that that is like, um, a personality trait that you know hopefully he um developed because of my influence like mm-hmm. you know because i and the reason why i say it like that is because i think a lot of people say they're proud of their children and it's like this way to like not feel like proud of themselves if that makes sense you know like they don't mm-hmm. they don't want to say but I, like i, I don't i don't it, think that way i think oh, okay. i i'm Great. proud of my eight-year-old daughter because i think yeah. we're also raising her well you know yes. i'm like yes exactly like I, yes. i'm like thinking <laughs> and i what, love that what would my mother do and do the opposite you know like just exactly exactly <laughs> but uh you know i exactly i'm raising her like i really it was very important for my partner and me to like raise our my our daughter to be strong and confident and compassionate yeah. and she's becoming that person and it's really just glorious to see so Mm. it's like so you could be proud of your kid but also be proud of yourself for raising such a kid you're proud of yourself for raising like a really funny kid too like um you know my daughter is also funny and she's she gets that my husband's like a total ham so I think she gets that more from my husband. But also, you know, she yeah. also has kind of like a hall monitor personality. And I'm like, I'm proud of that too. I, we, neither yes. of us had the hall monitor personality, but, oh, you know. that's hilarious. When we're Might be her sign. Is she, is she a Virgo? She, Sounds like a Virgo. That's she's so funny. She's not a Virgo. She's a, she's a cancer. Um, <laughs> so does she come, she comes home, she's like, Mommy, mommy, I reminded the teacher that she didn't pick yeah, up our no, homework. Yeah, she tells me what to do. <laughs> like, oh, good, good. She was like, mommy, you didn't lock the door. You need to lock the door right away. I love that. I love kids like that. Good for th- I love that. Stand yeah. up for yourself. Yeah, Stand no, up for what you believe very in. Very alpha, which is great. I love it. You know, That's amazing. Yeah, proud of no, that. No, I'm glad that you said that because, you know, I feel like, Mm-hmm. Yes, like it's fine to say. I think it's a beautiful thing to say. I'm proud of my child because of how I parented mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And also, you know, it's like uh, obviously I'm like he's funny. That's like the most important thing, but he's also extremely <laughs> kind. And he's like way like kinder, you know. I mean, so, and I was like now I'm like wait, sometimes he's kind of mean. But you know, he's a human <laughs> being. So he has the whole he's range of like 
Yeah, he has a whole range of human behaviors, yeah. but <laughs> but he's like you know he's like a kind-hearted person, and he like and he's like a friendly person, and like you know his teachers are like he's like the one kid that he'll like play with all the other kids, and he never has these like clicky ideas, and I'm like, damn, that's based based like he doesn't he never like because kids you know they're like oh i don't want to play with that kid he's weird or whatever like he doesn't do that mm-hmm. yeah. and the teachers were like that's like one thing we noticed and i was like that's so great like that we must have done something right that he isn't you know ex- excluding other kids and yeah i'm I'm happy for both of us that we're proud of ourselves for mm-hmm. being great parents yeah <laughs> what, what about you brian what are you proud of um <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, to, to touch on writing, I guess that's a theme of this episode. Uh, in preparation of this podcast coming to end, I have been writing a lot, and I have been writing on the daily, and, you know, I, I feel that I've been, I've put it off for a long time, whether it's because of I'm self-conscious, there's I have low self-esteem when it comes to my writing, I, it just felt so daunting, and I'd always do something else, clean my room, just find any excuse to not actually sit down and do the damn thing. And now that I'm in this motion of just writing a lot, um, yeah, I, I'm, uh, th- to be honest, I, I just want to say that I'm very proud that I am, I'm a comedian, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel that it's, it took, it's a long time coming for me to embrace this identity for myself. Uh, I think being a comedian goes entirely against, there's not a lot of external validation in my family to be had uh, in this career choice that I've made. And mm. I would internalize that and it would come into conflict with how I felt about myself. But I think in line with just the work that I've been producing, the, all the stuff that I've been writing recently, I'm... I can stand by it and I'm very proud to call Mm. myself a comedian. I think I'm very funny and I feel very fortunate that I get to do this crazy thing where my, uh, my job is just to make people laugh and, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Brian. And I'm proud of you for being a comedian, Brian. Just to say that, put that out there. I think we need more, uh, we need more comedians. We need more, uh, Asian American comedians, comedians are powerful, you know, they just like they, they're able to like, call out, call out those, they're powerful for calling out those in power. And it's just, you know, so many people, so many people are inspired and influenced by them. And it's like, whatever, we have enough, we have enough doctors and lawyers and so forth. But I think, (laughs) I guess we need this affirmation, like I was doing this reading, yeah. I did this talk and I, you know, I also have to say I'm proud of being Asian. I know this mm-hmm. is the last yeah. podcast. I'm just going to say that, um, you know, I was at this uh, conference and it was all these uh, Asian American artists and uh, curators and um, art historians and so forth. And there was so much like Asian excellence in the room. And it was really just amazing to see. And then, you know, but there was this young woman who came up to me and she was like, to, you know, I has occasionally I have uh, younger people come up to me and ask me for life advice. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and I'm like, ah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> just like, I just right. want a cigarette. Um, but, you know, <laughs> she was, she was saying, you know, what, you know, she's like, I just really want to be an artist. And I don't know if I can. And, it, you know, and I, I was like, why your, your parents aren't really excited about you being an artist is that why you have that conflict and she's like yes and I I didn't say anything profound I just said well I just think you're not going to be happy if you don't do what you want to do you're just not going to be happy and you have one life and then she just burst out crying and but it's like they just want like like the littlest encouragement to just do what they really want to do and it's but it's like why does it have to be so hard why does it have to be such a challenge why does it have to be such an obstacle and Mm -hmm. you know I mean the world is burning (laughs) you know it's like yeah what else are you uh going to do I mean anyway but I think yeah there's a lot of Asian excellence there's a lot of and I think there needs to be more like love collective love self-love um I think a lot of times like even now there's still I don't know why, because there's a lot of maybe because being Asian is low stakes 
according to some people, but there's so much like hand wringing and anxiety about what Asian America is. And I'm like, just mm-hmm. relax, just relax, mm. you know, just love, just, just like love yourself and love who you are and love other people. There's just a lot of great people and you just, just don't stress so much about it. Don't stress about like what Asian American identity is or what, you know, who you're offending yeah. by talking about Asian American and who you're stepping on or whatever, you know, it's like, uh, let's, let's just get over that. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Finally, finally, Brian, we the very last guess. It finally happened. Somebody's pro- somebody's proud of Brian for being a comedian. And also, I want to say, <laughs> Kathy just said, "Don't become a doctor or lawyer. Become a comedian. Be a comedian. <laughs> I'm gonna make my daughter become yes! a comedian." Finally, <laughs> yeah. We got. Yeah, we Woo! have a Korean. Uh, we have a Korean mom person figure you that said it to become a comedian. <laughs> you can't go to medical school. <laughs> yeah. I'll disown uh, you. I'll disown you if you get into Harvard. How about that? Oh my God. Asians need to get over their obsession with Harvard, but that's another conversation entirely diff- uh, different. It's a whole different other. <laughs> it's a whole way. different podcast. Yeah, that's our timely. Podcast called our, timely. Our new intervention. Our new podcast. There needs to be yeah. intervention. <laughs> Let's just start a Harvard new podcast. Just called... not that into you. <laughs> yeah. Asians need to get over Harvard. Get, up, get over it. Um, yeah. For our listeners, where can they find you and your work online, Kathy? Uh, just Google my name. Uh, Perfect. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> KathyParkHog.com. Order my book Amazing. on Bookshop. Yeah. Thank you. Yay. Right. Thank okay. you. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. You can find me on social media at YM Mayor. You guys can find me at It's Brian Park. Follow us, come to our shows, and we'll see you all here next week for our last episode. Bye, everyone. Ever. Bye.